Hello everyone, Jose here. In this episode, Joe and I had the opportunity to speak with Dr. Lane Exciting Knighting, an entrepreneur that helps leaders use adventure to grow innovative teams that accelerate business. During our discussion, Dr. Knighting describes how he was able to cycle through a rut by pursuing his dreams and overcoming society's acceptable actions. We learned a lot from this episode and know you will too. Enjoy. Live. Learning. Leadership, the Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and I got one of my brothers in the lounge with me today, Jose Ramon Jr. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? It is good to hear um, you again. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's good to see you too, man. It's it's it's, it's been an interesting day. Um, got to do go through a cool meeting. Um, and in that meeting, I saw a weird sign, right? And I, I've been thinking about it all day. It's just been one of those questions I ponder because it, the sign in that meeting on the on a map it said uh, <laughs> it said <laughs> unauthorized dumping unauthorized. And I was like trying to figure out what does unauthorized dumping unauthorized mean? It mean it could mean so many things, right? Yep. <laughs> it just kind of threw me for a loop i was like does that mean all dumpings unauthorized or on only unauthorized items are unauthorized and where the do i put of, my unauthorized the, items the use of double negatives gotta love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it was great it was great how's your day going it's going good um you know my my wife has been encouraging me to uh pursue this project i've thought about for a while and uh i finally got nice got, got it going so i'm excited to see where it heads um yeah so it's good I, i'm getting the creative juices flowing which is always good i think we lost them uh-oh yeah i think he's gone yeah i see just a frozen <laughs> image hey technical difficulties it's okay though we'll we'll roll with the punches yeah. oh i think he's back yeah, now he's back. it happens right i'm back it, it happens right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's awesome when you're when you're deployed and and then you see a sign come across the screen that says your internet is unstable so <laughs> we, we roll with the punches yeah but for sure that's awesome hey, hey hey brother so we got a a pretty awesome guest in the lounge with us don't we Mm -hmm. we do we do i was uh i was re i was reviewing um you know the the website and uh i, I was kind of telling you about this before and you know it, i'm sure he's going to tell his story but i had a very similar experience um not with the uh mode of transportation he used but you know mine was a snowboard so i'm, I'm really interested to hear uh, some of the details about it yeah for sure so uh, for our listeners our guest is dr lane knighting he is the ceo of way of the hero llc an adventure strategy consultancy that helps leaders excel through adventures that instill trust inspire innovation and accelerate growth for nearly 20 years he has taught leadership communication and performance at the arizona state university designing classes that students call a literal life changer tremendously rewarding and the most enjoyable course they've ever taken welcome to the lounge lane and thank you for coming on the show hey thanks so much for letting me be a part of this wow we're, we're super excited <laughs> we're super excited to have you on thank you yes yeah well it wasn't snowboarding jose but uh <laughs> i i'm eager to hear more about that that's gonna be fun oh absolutely absolutely oh yeah Oh, yeah, I'm sure we all got our, yeah. our moments that we kind of help find ourselves a little bit. But, you know, hey, Lane, whenever we have a guest in the lounge, we always want to start off with their story because, you know, we found that we can gain a lot from the experiences and perspectives of others. So would you please share how did Dr. Lane Knighting become the man he is today? Wow. You know, that's really a tall order, but I really appreciate the question and, and what is behind the question, because ultimately... I think life is a matter of stripping away who we think we are to become who we have the potential to be. Mm. And a lot of our social programming gets in the way. And I had tons of it. I had so much social programming about striving to be the best I could be, which is not bad, you know, very good thing. But I think high achievers too often we get in our own way. Mm. And that happened in my case. I was, um, <laughs> I was 
married, seven kids, job, mortgage, living paycheck to paycheck, teaching at Arizona State University. And I had for about 10 years this dream of cycling across America. And it was incredibly powerful because um, before then, I felt like a schmuck. You know, I felt like I wasn't providing enough for my family and I didn't realize that I was in this funk. And, uh, and I would get on the internet and go to dark places that really were, weren't healthy for me or my family or marriage. And, but, um, but I did it to try to figure, you know, some semblance of exhilaration and life. And, and, uh, and I think I was, I was pretty much jaded about mm. students, about life. And, mm -hmm. and then, um, and the, it was impossible to go across America in my mind. Like, how do you take three months off when you're living paycheck to paycheck? You got job, family, mortgage, all that. How do you take three months off and go bike across America? Like, how do you do that? I mean, you don't. You shelve it onto that shelf that says retirement or you slot it into that black hole of someday, mm -hmm. you know, which really is code word for never. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, but I had some really interesting friends and experiences that helped me reshape the way I was seeing the problem. And because of them, uh, we ended up as a family back in 2009, cycling across America, my family in an old RV and me on a bike. And, uh, and I got to tell you guys, as, um, as big and as exciting and as tough as I'd imagined it to be, reality blew it out of the water. Hmm. It was, I mean, it, it, it didn't just change the world. It changed the axis on which my world spun. Wow. I mean, that's like DNA changing, right? I mean, and, and, and you're right, like three months. How, how do you do that? Because <laughs> I want to know, you know, how do you do that? that that's just wild that you, yeah, it, you know, it really was wild. Um, back when I was a college student, I was having a conversation with my dad that fits in, like it, it, it doesn't just fit into the whole story. It is the foundation of the story. Hmm. But I was sitting just shooting the breeze with my hero, my dad. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and as my wife glided past holding our newborn child, our firstborn, dad looked at me and he goes, wow, Lane, man, I remember what it was like being in your shoes, struggling to get through school, married, had a new little baby. Oh, and I had so many dreams. Mm. And I watched his eyes glow. And then suddenly a shadow fell across his face. His face tightened. I could see pain etched in his eyes. And he said, you know, then I graduated. Got out, nose to the grindstone, knuckled down in a job. And before I knew it, time raced. And one day I woke up, looked in the mirror, and I was 40. And I said to myself, Nighting, what do you got to show for it? He said, I looked around, saw the kind of family I had, kind of job I worked, kind of car I drove, and kind of house I lived in. I looked at all those things, and I realized, Lane, it was time. Now, I was expecting this, this monumental breakthrough, like it was time to go after my dreams and, mm -hmm. and uh, put this all aside and really go after it. But he, instead, he stabbed me in the back mm -hmm. and said, Lane, I realized it was time for all those dreams to let them go. Mm -hmm. And I tell you guys, that was like a punch in the gut. Mm-hmm. 
Here's my hero telling me, if you don't do it by the time you're 40, forget it. And I was, man, I was just so ticked off that he would say that. I bolted up out of my chair, loomed over at him, and I started firing my finger like a general chewing somebody out. <laughs> and, uh, and before I, you know, I said, Dad, you never give up on your dreams ever, ever, ever. And he just stood there like in total shock that his son would chew him out. I mean, in rural Idaho, you don't do that. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then he said, wait till you just turn 40, Lane, and you'll mm -hmm. see. So uh, fast forward, you know, I could see 40 looming over me and I could hear dad's haunting refrain echoing in my ear and i thought i i've got to do it by the time i'm 40 or i know myself i won't do it hmm. so um when you're faced with what i call a death date you pull out all the stops you shove your fears to the side and you instead of letting those dictate which route you take you say no i'm going this way and I'm going to figure out how to do it. Well, I, um, I went to my, a friend of mine and said, hey, I, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. What do you say? He said, take your family with you. Ha! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I got, uh, I got a couple of teenage girls. I got a two-year-old. They don't want a bike. And he said, they don't have to. Get, get a motorhome. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you have a hundred grand in your bank account. I don't. Mm -hmm. And that's when he, he said, Lane, Lane, you don't get it. We live in Mesa, Arizona. It is a Mecca for RVs. I can go down tomorrow to the auction, pick up one for four grand, put a couple of grand into it, there's your home. And guys, I was freaking out. I'm like, are you, are you, are you serious? I was mind blown. So I went home, figured out how I'd, how I'd pitch it to the family. Uh, finally pitched it. The suckers bought the idea. <laughs> and, and so we did it. We, we bought an old motor home, fixed it up a little bit, not nearly enough, and then crawled across the northern tier from Washington State to Maine. Huh. That's awesome. I, I mean, that, that's an amazing story. And before we go further, I got I to gotta think, what influenced that dream of yours? I mean, was that like at an early age, that was what you wanted to do? I mean, what really influenced that, that particular dream? Cause you know, we all have different dreams. We all have different white picket fences for our goals and like what, what influenced yours? So that's a great question. Mm -hmm. um, mine were the old folk tales that I would immerse myself into as a child. Mm. Um, I read these stories about people traveling across the landscape, across the contours of mother earth and, and, reaping stories you know uh, Leo Tolstoy said and I, I love this I think it, but all great literature is one of two stories either someone goes on a journey or a stranger comes to town mm. and they both involve a journey so I wanted a journey that allowed me to experience the incredible country that we live in. And, uh, and what's amazing is that that busted open all kinds of gates that I had erected in front of my mind so that now uh, I want to cycle every country in the world. That's cool. I've got 38 so wow. far. And, and guys, I want to cry when I think about it that mm. I'm seeing countries in a way that I want to do it that's raw and rugged and real and mm. allows you to, to interact with the, the locals on a totally different plane. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, 
But the other thing, Joe, to answer your question, I started reading when I was in those dark places on the internet. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I found uh, early, and this was early, in, like in the fledgling state of the internet. But I would read about people who cycled across America, came home, gutted their garage, and lived a totally new life. Hmm. And I thought, why? Like, what would make a guy do that? Right. <laughs> and the more I, I read about these guys, I said, that's it. That's mm -hmm. how I want to do it on a bike. Wow. wow. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That, that's truly amazing. Yeah, when, when, uh, I, when I listen to your story, you know, we kind of mentioned a second ago about my thing with snowboarding, right? And, and we can get into that later if we want to. But the thing that I, I'm thinking about is all the little things that happen in order to get to that point, right? You, you, so you mentioned a friend that kind of encourages you and, and kind of gets rid of all your outs, right? Like in your mind, you have all these outs on why you can't get to that place. And your friend comes in and encourages you and then finds ways to get you there. And then he encourages yeah. you to bring your family with you. Like that's, that's awesome. Right. Because I, I can only imagine the stories that you have with your family. Now, the, the modeling that you did for your children to get them to there and, and allow them to chase their dreams. Because it was the same thing with my kids. When I, when I started teaching them how to snowboard, is there like a, is there a favorite story of yours involving any of that? Well, there's, there's a model that are a pattern that I think fits all of us. Mm -hmm. And then I, I will share one thing, but the pattern is what is called the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And if you can think about it as three circles in a row, the first circle is the world we live in. Mm -hmm. I call it the common world. It's a world we control. And, and the second world is the world of adventure takes us out of the world that we control. Mm -hmm. And the third circle is what we call the return. But in that first circle in the common world, um, the, the pattern is that we, each one of us gets what's called a call to adventure, a call to leave the world we know and venture and become a rookie, a total novice into this crazy world of the unknown mm -hmm. and there are always what they call threshold guardians standing there sentinels going you shall not pass mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. if we defy those then mysterious aid comes these these guides like my friend or like whoever helped you with snowboarding mm -hmm. And, and we all have them if mm -hmm. we are keen enough to discern what, what and who they are. Uh, I guess, uh, <laughs> you know, to your question, there was a, an experience, you know, in order to go, we had a 32 foot motor home and each kid was allowed one duffel bag and one cubicle for wow. everything. Their clothes, their games, their books, everything and when we, when we <laughs> wow. got to new york um it was, i mean you just can't teach this but <laughs> one of the daughters turned to the other and she goes danny i realize our problem it's not that we need more space it's that we have too much stuff wow epiphany <laughs> how profound <laughs> it was just, you know, it floored me that she could spout this out to her, to her sister. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't teach it. You just have to put people in an experience or the conditions of change, and then they get the mm -hmm. revelation. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. How old were they? Uh, let's see. That was 2009. So they were... Uh, trying to think, um, 14 and 16. That's wow. awesome. That's awesome. Wow. 
I know my life would have yeah. taken a different path if I would have had that profound epiphany at that age. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need this much stuff. I could use less stuff. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I really like about what, what you're talking about, uh, Lane, you brought up discernment, right? And like just being able to discern mm-hmm. what's important and what's not. And I think, man, that is such an important thing because I was thinking about how much more content you can be if you're able to discern, right? That skill. Um, I'm thinking like, okay, if you can discern what's important, what's not, you can discern what's, you know, what you have, what you are able to control and what you can't, what's actually putting you in danger and what else, but also like those people, if you can discern, between the people that you should really listen to and when the people that you shouldn't. I mean, those are some important things that I feel like, yeah, that, that's such an important thing. And like um, to Jose's point that you had a confidant to be able to kind of shoot down all your negativity to get you on that path. Um, that's important to have and to be able to discern that that person was somebody that was that you should listen to. Um, just amazing. You know, do, do you mind if I pick up on that a little bit, Joe? You know, yeah, please. Um, I love that. I love that you highlight that word. It's such a powerful word, discernment, and it's so mm-hmm. elusive. Um, mm-hmm. Part of being able to discern, I believe, and this is what we teach when I take people on these treks, is that first of all, we need to connect with the divine. Because I believe that the universe has already embedded gems along our path, guides and signs that are already erected. Mm-hmm. But we get so driven and tunnel vision that we don't even notice them. Mm-hmm. So being able to connect with the divine allows us to remove the blinders and start to notice. But then the other part of that is being, and I love this phrase, quick to observe. Mm. Uh, Too often we observe only the things that we want to observe. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we get in the way. Like a great example of this is in the movie, The Bourne Identity, Mm -hmm. where you got Jason Bourne and you've got his, uh, his girlfriend, Marie, and they're, they're plotting how to go in and get information from a bank. I think it is. Mm-hmm. And he's got it all strategized. Like these cameras are going to be up in the corner and this is going to, and people are going to be right there. And, and he ends up panicking when she doesn't respond mm-hmm. as she goes into the bank. And then finally she appears and he goes, well, how did you get it? She said, I just asked. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, what do you mean he just asked? <laughs> like, he's, he's observing, but he's observing all of the negatives. Mm, right. And all the negatives prevent him from seeing a simple answer. Right. And she could see a simple answer because that's mm. how she moved in the world. And right. she just walked in and asked. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that really goes back to what you're talking about, the social programming, right? And I mean... You know, we're maybe not even some of it's just negatively wired the way we are. Right. But then the social programming, like you you brought up how, you know, your father talked about the age of 40. And that's such an arbitrary number. Right. Like we just kind of bring up we make up this number in our head that 40 is the deadline. right? And like yeah. what makes it that 40 is the deadline. Right. And there's I mean, there's no real explanation. We just kind of make up those dates in our head. And then sometimes they motivate us and sometimes they demotivate us, depending on, you know, uh, how, how we're feeling, our attitudes are, and their discipline and motivation. But yeah, mm-hmm. there's so many things that we do like that through social programming, just make up stuff, make up facts, make up things. And we start believing in them. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was, like I said, I, and I, I read your, I was reading your website and you said something about um, like adventures that were socially acceptable and, and talking about how a vacation would be okay, but your dream was not. And I, I just, that was profound to me because I, mm. I mean, I think we all do it right. What's acceptable. Well, acceptable to who, And does it matter what Mm -hmm. somebody else thinks as long as you're living your purpose and you're living your dream and you're achieving your goals? Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I don't know. I, you on your site you wrote like Yoda. You have to unlearn what you have learned. <laughs> so I don't know if you're. I don't know if you're as big of a Star Wars nerd as I am. But you've already oh, talked about yes, the hero's brother. journey. <laughs> and you talked about way. Yoda. Like um, it's. I I found myself you know at at a certain point where. You know, I was I was having what what people would say is a very successful military career, right? I was yeah. mm-hmm. I was being promoted. I was in good positions. Um, I would say I have a successful family, you know, my wife, I have my two kids. Um, but I remember thinking, you know, what of this is for me, right? What, what of all this is for me, right? And I could say, oh, I read these books. I Well, it's a leadership book or it's a, you know, the, the five love languages because I want to, you know, love on my family the right way, right? It's like, well, that, that really wasn't for me. And it's funny mm-hmm. because Star Wars was the thing that was for me, absolutely for <laughs> me, had nothing to do with anything else, you know, so... I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah. By, by the way, I don't know if you heard, but Disney is coming out with a whole slug of new mm-hmm. programs. It's yeah. like a ton yes. of. Yeah. yeah. Soka. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Um, you know, some language that was introduced to me around this is <clears throat> finite games versus infinite games. Mm-hmm. And we tend to be playing a finite game which is, hey, I'll, I'll do, I'll rise within this game, but it's still somebody else's game. Mm-hmm. Somebody mm-hmm. else is calling the shot. Somebody else puts yeah. the rules. And as soon as we break out of the finite games and play what's called an infinite game, mm-hmm. where we're just playing to play. Mm-hmm. We're not playing to please somebody. We're mm-hmm. not playing to, to uh, uh, acquiesce to somebody else's rules. It's just Mm -hmm. saying, this is the game I want to play. I want to do this and I'm going to do this my way. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I mean, you know, there's a lot to unpack there, but I wanted to ask you something before we get too far into that, because I want to explore that one for sure. But when you were talking about how you were on, you know, searching the internet in dark places and it, you were describing just an uninspired life, right? And you mentioned on your website talking about feeling trapped. Do you think that getting in a rut like that comes from being uninspired and then you go into those dark places on the internet or whatever else you might be doing, some of those counterproductive behaviors and habits? Or do you think that that dry, you know, or is it vice versa? You're just kind of going into those things and then you start becoming uninspired and then you needing to get a, a jolt to get out of that rut. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, um, Joe. And I would love your thoughts as well. Yeah. Uh, the way I think about it, I think it's like this, it's more like a dance. Mm-hmm. It's not a cause and effect that one causes the other. It's that right. they're, they ping pong back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I think it does boil back to what we said about finite games. Mm-hmm. We realize that there's a certain point where we achieve the winning the game, the finite game. Right. And we realize it didn't do what I expected it to do. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah. but like in my case, yeah. I wanted to get a PhD mm-hmm. and when I think about why I wanted it, I, the, the story I was telling myself is I wanted my parents to think I was smart. Mm-hmm. And if I got a PhD, mm-hmm. then finally they would think I was smart and other people would think I was smart. And when I got the PhD, they still didn't think I was smart. And I still didn't think I was very smart. Yeah. 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 So after that, I realized, what's this for? I'm, mm-hmm. We had a, well, I won't get into that. Yes, we start going on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And because we are living a mechanized life, Mm-hmm. We realize, or we don't realize, but subconsciously, we recognize that it is uninspired. Mm-hmm. And so, because we are being uninspired, we are searching, our soul craves for something to make us feel alive, for, 
for the magic of childhood to reawaken within us. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't, we, we start going into dark places and they mm-hmm. give us a jolt. But then again, they leave us more uninspired, sapped right. of spiritual energy. Right. And it just goes back and forth. Yeah. You know, and that's what I was, and I know Jose kind of alluded to this earlier and I went through the same thing, but what you're kind of describing it and to me, you know, from Victor Frankl's work is yep. that existential vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. That, that void. And I know when, um, like Jose kind of alluded to earlier is like, you know, he had a very successful career. He made it all the way to the pinnacle, um, you know, of the, of, we can't get promoted anymore. We've, we've been striving for it our entire career. We get there and then we hit exactly what you just described. Okay now what like that wasn't exactly what i thought was going to happen there's so much more left and you know i think it's natural to kind of have that feeling and i think what that that inspiration just like the simple concept of discernment or the simple concept of respect in a relationship right these simple concepts they're so important yet we don't spend enough time we're not deliberate enough about seeking it out right and when it comes to inspiration if you're an uninspired leader you're going to have a hard time, right? You know, if you're just an uninspired person, you're mm-hmm. going to have a hard time leading, being a good family member. You're going to be a hard, you're going to have mm-hmm. a hard time, you know, just doing anything to the maximum potential that you can, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you're uninspired. And I think it's so important. I think back in the day, like when you look at the samurais and they're, they're balancing their, their warrior class with, you know, doing bonsai trees or pottery or whatever else, you know, they oftentimes talk about how that's balancing because they're doing such so much of the war stuff. But also I think it's because they're looking for inspiration to keep themselves motivated to continuously do something like that. And I think it's so important that we continuously seek out opportunities to find ways to be inspired and it doesn't have to be tied to what we do for a living. Amen. hundred percent. That was well put. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks, Joe. Do you mind if I share a story that goes along those lines? Oh, please. Absolutely. This was the very first client I had. We decided that we were going to go cycle up through Scandinavia. So we started Germany, Denmark, Sweden, and ended in Norway. And there was this one epic ride that we were all looking forward to called the Trolls Road. It zigzags its way up a box canyon at the end of these vaulted mountains scraping the clouds. Mm-hmm. And so we, we had that image as a poster up on our walls that we were constantly looking forward to. And the day that we did it was incredible. Hardly any traffic. There was it was a little overcast. We reveled in the joy of finally cycling the Trolls Road for about an hour. And then I said, hey, we still got another 40 miles to go. And, and he, he shook and said, what? I don't know. I, I thought we'd get to the top of the Trolls Road and I don't know, just be done. And uh, I said, no, we got we got, you know, further to go. So the, the other 40 miles were excruciatingly tough, but also un, indescribably gorgeous. We had a traffic jam of sheep, a race with cows, stunning scenery, a little bit of rain, and climbing, 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 climbing. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I turned to him and said, Hal, we got one more day, and today was epic. Like, you could not get a better day, but tomorrow is going to be tougher. We got to climb uh, 5,000 feet in 13 and a half miles. It's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you don't want to, we could just say it ends today if you want. Now, later he told me, Lane – When we sat there, I was pissed off. Here, every single climb that we went, I thought, okay, finally there, I'm going to be done. And we'd reach that spot, and no, it just kept climbing. And we had rain, 
and I thought of the whole thing as a fight, as something I had to conquer and vanquish and beat. Mm. And he, he sat there and he realized, you know, I've got to quit fighting and somehow I've got to draw strength from the climb, the mountain, the rain, all of it. I've got to partner with it. Hmm. And so the next day we went and we went at a slow pace. We luxuriated in the landscape. We crawled our way up. And on that last stretch, I'll never forget this guys, but he said, he, he said, you know, two guys passed and just zipping their way up to the top. And I thought, what's Lane going to think of me? That I'm too slow, that I'm not man enough, that I'm not good enough, that I can't, I can't keep pace with these other guys. And then I realized it's all just a story. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just me. And I'm going to go at my pace and I'm going to enjoy right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we reached the top, he threw his bike down, he fell on my shoulders and he wept like a baby. Mm. And when I looked into his eyes, guys, there was a clarity that I had never seen before. He was completely empty of other people's stories and his blue eyes shone so clear, almost like they'd become spiritually transcendent. And I think that happens like those samurai you talk about, Joe. Mm -hmm. When we quit looking at, I'll be happy when mm -hmm. I reach that pinnacle and look for ways that life is magical right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know what you described right there, it's so powerful, just that, that liberating feeling of letting your own expectations and what you think others' expectations are of you. Because, you know, so an example that I would have is when I'm running, sometimes I'll run my half marathon tomorrow, like I do every Sunday, and I'm running and there's a windy day. And I'm like, man, this is going to be terrible. And I'm running into that wind. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is going to suck, right? And I think about it. I'm like, the only reason, because there's nothing that can hold me from doing this, right? There's nothing that can stop me from doing this. I'll get through it. I've done this before. Is because my ego gets in the way. And I know my time's not going to be as good when I'm running into the wind the entire time, right? <laughs> but wow. what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with anything? I'm literally running a half marathon every Sunday for my own self to clear my own mind something that i'm committed to do to even go through the pain on purpose every now and then just to kind of feel it and for some reason in this moment i'm thinking why is it so windy instead of just running right <laughs> right and it bothers me and when you let that go you're like oh it's not so bad you know it's just an interesting thought that we have we talk our the negative self-talk we give to ourselves that is profound joe that's inspiring right there <laughs> uh, yeah it's i think we all do it right and, and you know i have a question and it may just for jose and you mm -hmm. lane it's like you guys both talked about okay jose you were talking about snowboarding lane mm -hmm. you rode a bicycle across the entire country right <laughs> i mean like you rode a bike and for me it's been running that kind of got me out of a rut that i felt that i was mm -hmm. in do you think there's some like primal relationship between that physical activity to getting us out of these ruts and, and finding this inspiration? Absolutely. There's an access to the spiritual that we can only access by pushing the physical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to say a hundred percent. I know for me, part of my rut was um, I like challenges and mm -hmm. I, I didn't think I had a, I didn't, not that there weren't challenges, but I had a, I already knew a path to solutions for those challenges. I wanted something that I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't right. know. I, I mean, I was terrible. I, I didn't know how to put the bindings on. I didn't know how to put mm -hmm. the snowboard boots on. I was mm -hmm. terrified of a chairlift. Uh, I mean, everything about it was, was kind of yeah. scaring me. Right. And, um, I remember, um, 
I was just trying to go down a bunny hill one time without falling. <laughs> That's all I wanted to do, right? <laughs> and so in snowboarding, there's this thing called leafing where you basically just, you're on yep. your, your back edge I, the whole time. I right? mastered that. I mastered that when I started <laughs> I thought I was snowboarding too. I thought the yeah. whole time I was snowboarding when I was hey, just leafing. <laughs> after 12 hours, I was happy to get down, right? And I mean, <laughs> this thing now, I probably get down that running like a minute and a half and it probably took me 10 right. minutes, right? But I didn't fall and I was happy until I got to the bottom, right? Because I got cocky and I, I caught a front edge and I, just, I biffed it hard, right? <laughs> I remember tasting blood in my mouth and this pain and I was like, yes, let's do this. Right. Like for some reason it, it amped me up because I was like, I, I can do this and I can figure this out, you know? And um, so, yes, I think there's something primal there. I think there's something about, like you mentioned, intentionally giving yourself some of that physical pain, kind of reminding mm -hmm. you of what this is about, you know? Um, yeah. I, I have lots of scars and each one has a story and mm -hmm. I love it. You know, I don't, I don't mind sharing that um, because I've, I've lived, I've gone through different things. Right. Um, this past uh, February, you know, my, I talked to my wife and a couple of friends of ours, they wanted to go back to Japan and go snowboarding. Mm -hmm. And if, if I would have told, you know, 17 year old Jose leaving the house, you know, one day you're going to fly to Japan to go snowboarding with some friends that are from all across the world and from different parts of the States, I would have told them they were lying. First of all, I'm from California. I don't like the snow, right? I was not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. But second of all, um, traveling to Japan just seems so foreign. And, and there's so many right. stories now that right. snowboarding has given me, whether it's driving to the slopes with friends and just unwinding and unpacking things that have happened, you know, mm -hmm. um, enjoying the scenery, driving. There, there's just mm -hmm. so many things that come with it. But it, it all started with uh, Travis Boulay. Um, inviting me to go snowboarding in Japan. And I didn't want to go. I absolutely didn't mm -hmm. want to go. And he didn't mm -hmm. give me any outs. And so I went and now that's like, that's like my thing. It's my family's thing, you know? So I think there's a primal thing. You, you have this, uh, you have a goal that's in front of you. There's this adventure. You, you feel um, what it is, right? Whether it's the, the wind or the, or the, or the snow hitting you in the face and you, you feel um, tied back to nature, right? You notice mm -hmm. everything. You notice the contours in the snow, you notice, um, objectives that are coming up or maybe yes. somebody who's struggling there. There's just so many things that came with it. Um, so I think right. that putting yourself in that makes you unwind from all the distractions that we have every day. And you have to focus on the present. And now you can't focus on anything else, man. I love that. And, and Lane, you know, I wanted to ask you because, you know, in that same vein of what we're talking about, I know that when I was in my rut, I would actually say I, I was depressed I was in a rut and I was depressed. I didn't feel like, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with me um, in my personal life. And then on top of that, I didn't even find happiness in, you know, being promoted and, and becoming a chief master in the United States Air Force. In that moment, I wasn't finding the happiness that I, there was a mismatch of expectations. And, and when I started going on these long runs and feeling that pain that, that you know, Jose kind of alluded to there, it made me feel like I was alive again. Yes. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was, and it's like, okay, I'm not feeling happy, but if I feel pain, at least I feel I'm feeling something. Yep. Right. Uh, and, and it really yep. kind of helped me get out of that rut a little bit and started. And then I saw positive effects from it and I kept going with it. And then I started running. I never even ran past more than 5K all the way up until probably, you know, uh, my 18 year in the Air Force. I wasn't running. Um, very much like that. Now I'm running half marathons every Sunday. And it was because that pain that I felt from the run that I still get now uh, gives me a great reminder of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, and I was wondering, what are your thoughts on that lane? Have you ever, did you experience something like that? I mean, I know you experienced some pain. On, you, when you're riding across the entire country, you're feeling pain. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, absolutely. I think both of you just nailed it. That there's, I, I believe that we ensconce ourselves in invisible armor and shields mm. that are constantly raised and they lead to a mechanized life. You know, we, you think about it, most of us, not, maybe not you guys, especially over in the Middle East, <laughs> but uh, we tend to have a lot of control over our environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we're in a car that's encased in glass and steel and we adjust the temperature mm -hmm. we go inside our homes and 
If it's too hot or too cold, we adjust the temperature. When you're running or snowboarding or cycling you get, or hiking, you know, there are myriad ways. We get out there and we're exposed to the kiss of the wind, the caress of the sun, the massage of the rain. And yeah, it's not always comfortable, but you nailed it. We feel gloriously alive mm -hmm. because we're no longer mechanized. We get to, and I think that that, it contributes to that whole idea that you said, Joe, of discernment. Mm -hmm. Because now we are sensitive. Mm -hmm. Whereas before we are desensitized. Yeah. So I don't know, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I think for sure. And we've created this environment where even where I'm at right now, there's a, there's a level of comfort, right? And then we, we create this, this barrier between us and what we are naturally to be, you know, we, we are naturally made to be around. And, you know, I, I heard, I was listening to a, a Joe Rogan podcast the other day and he was talking about, isn't it weird that we call it the outside? Like, cause you know, like we call it the outside, outside of our buildings and our houses, we call it the outside. Like that's a whole weird place and the inside is normal. When in reality, us as humans, we created the inside, right? True. Yep. The outside oh. is the natural environment we're in, mm -hmm. but, but we created this environment where this is normal and that's abnormal. And if you like the outdoors and you're outdoorsy, you're special. And it's like, no, that's actually the way we're supposed to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like some epiphany that we reach when we're like, you know, I guess the magic arbitrary number of 40 will say, and we're like, Hey, it's kind of cool out here. It's peaceful. We can go <laughs> fishing. We can go do all these things. And it's like, wow. It's like we're coming out of our cages and becoming reborn again in some weird way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. One um, To that point, one of the <laughs> mantras that we have is the open road is home. Mm-hmm. Too often people leave on a vacation and then they can't wait to get back home. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you're wherever you are is home. Right. You know, if you're out in the mountains, like that's a fantastic point. Mm -hmm. You know, we are, we're hardwired to be outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we created these cages for ourselves to be inside and, yeah. and for good reason, right? I mean, it's for protection and everything, but now it's become the norm where like we created almost a prison for ourselves. Yeah. I think getting outside of the ease that we have, right? We have a lot, there's a lot of comfort, you know, even which, with what you were saying, right? So even, even when you talk about being in a car, right? It's not like we just set the dial and then when we get too hot, we, we turn it back now, right? Like it's literally auto, auto. Keep it at this exact precise temperature that I want when I'm, mm. when I'm driving and, and I'm driving the road. Right. And you know, newer vehicles, you don't feel it as much. You can be hitting 80, 90 miles and you don't even feel it anymore. Whereas an right. old, older car, you feel it, right? Like driving was an shaking. experience. Yeah. You, <laughs> you feel everything. And it's your, I think you're more able to discern what the right speed is. What's, what's actually safe. What should I be doing, et cetera, or just enjoying the road. Cause you have to pay attention to everything. Mm -hmm. But a yeah. lot of times now we're on autopilot, you know, um, mm -hmm. automatic reminders and notifications and stuff. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I probably memorize probably 20 numbers now, right? Like mm -hmm. mom, dad, wife, kids, and that's about it. Cause I can store everything else, you know, and I have all yeah, these, yeah. so it's, it, I think a lot of it too, is just being able to disconnect from that and just connecting um back to that core you know joe talked about fishing um i went fishing it was probably what three four months ago with a friend of mine mm -hmm. and we went out there and we caught a bunch of fish we went home we filleted them and then mm -hmm. i i cooked it that night for the family i gotta tell you that was amazing it felt Damn good it felt yeah <laughs> you know like I made this son. I, you know, I did yeah. this for you, right? Like it was, <laughs> right. It, was, it was a great feeling, you know, and, and my dad, um, you know, we were talking the other day cause we were watching, a. uh, there's a show on Netflix called meat eater where he just talks mm. about going hunting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my father who, um, wouldn't, wouldn't let me have a BB gun when I was growing up, yeah. you know, looks yeah. at me, he's like, son, we should, we should go on a hunting trip. And I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. Where did that come Wait, from? Wait, where, where are you? Where's this man coming from? Yeah, that's yeah. Steve Ranella's show, right, Jose? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing awesome. show. There's one with Joe Rogan <laughs> on there too, actually. Yep, but yep. Uh, <laughs> it, it was just amazing, right, to just connect back to that 
core, you know, uh, my, my family comes from uh, Mexico on my dad's side. And uh, I was telling my wife that we're camoteros. We, we made uh, camotes, which is like a sweet potato, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I see a lot of my dad's meaning and purpose in connecting to that. Because if you go to my, my parents' home, it looks like they have a professional gardener there just doing it because he connects back to that, right? His hands are dirty. He's, yeah. He feels the aches in his knees when he gets up and he's planting, mm-hmm. you know? And I think a lot of times we miss that, you know? It's, it's so easy for somebody to say, I'll just hire somebody to cut my grass. Get out there and cut the grass. It's your lawn, you know? Like, feel it. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, that's a terrific point. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Mm-hmm. The, the connection with earth. I know that um, my, there's a friend of mine, a martial arts expert, uh, and he deals with energy healing. And he mm-hmm. says, when I had snapped my ankle, he said, Lang, rip your shoes off, go out and walk on the earth. Mm-hmm. Your feet actually touching the grass. Mm-hmm. And that I, I'm convinced that it accelerated the healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And, you know, and some people listen to this probably think we just went woo woo here for a second. But, but mm-hmm. I would say, you know, like nowadays we talk about all these therapeutic things like forest bathing and everything else. I was like, well, that's, that was just called walking through the forest before and hanging out. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. like, now, now we have to create this deliberate thing. And I think that um, uh, to both of your points, it's like now we're living in such a, a, a life of comfort that we have to deliberately put ourselves in situations where we feel uncomfortable, where we feel a little pain, mm-hmm. where we're actually out in the nature to feel those things, right? Because now we're like allergic to everything. We can't touch anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, everything else is there. And I think we've kind of created this environment for ourselves. So I think that's why it's so cool what you do, Lane, because mm-hmm. as far as I know, and I'd love you to kind of explain a little bit more uh, uh, the way of the hero because you you know where it wasn't you were in that rut and then you snapped out of it by doing something amazing and now you want to share that yeah it all goes back joe to that pattern called the hero's journey Mm -hmm. those three circles where you leave the common world you enter the adventure world and you return and the return in my mind i think it's the most important of the three Mm-hmm. Because anybody can go on a journey, anybody can go on a vacation or a trip or have something exciting, but what do you do with it? Right. If you don't do with it, if you, it doesn't make a difference to your family. If you don't come back and embed the lessons of snowboarding, like, go oh, say, I love how you said, now that's, it's my family's thing. Right. You've embedded it back into your family and it has mm-hmm. made a difference for them. Mm-hmm. Same thing with you, Joe, you're running that mm-hmm. you do, you bring it back and you're not just using it as your own escape method and your mm-hmm. own growth method. You're constantly reinforcing the value of it and sharing it with other people as an inspirational moment mm-hmm. to get them out there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, in my mind, you know, when you come out um, after an adventure, there's a clash because you've changed, but the people who, who love you, who know you, they remember the mm-hmm. old you. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And they're like, to use a, a Star Wars term, you know, a tractor beam trying to pull <laughs> you back into your old skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that. We've right. got to we've got to constantly fight or not fight against it, but outwit that, mm-hmm. and take the lessons that we learned, and be a guide for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Not pushing yeah. them, not forcing them, not directing their their journey, but right. simply being there to offer gems on their journey. Right. Yeah. And set the example. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what, what you just described parallels in so many things and for our audience too, because a lot of them are military is like when you go 
uh, go out to go do a special duty and do some career broadening. You know, that's an adventure for a lot of us. Cause, and a lot of us don't want to do it because it's outside of our comfort zone and we go do it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the return, like you just said. And not only are other people trying to bring you back into the way you were, you also have to fight your own feeling that you want to assimilate back into the culture to get get along with the people that you're going back into mm-hmm. right throw and what you're doing and you yes. do that is you throw away everything you learned mm-hmm. for those three or four years that we invested in you to go do something mm-hmm. else you learned all these things and you come back and you become the same person that you were because you want to fit in with the people that you're with now and mm-hmm. instead of bringing it with you and that's something that we have to, i tell people do not assimilate do not assimilate bring everything that you are now back to where you are. Amen. hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. Um, I kind of went on a little detour. Oh, it, it does. Yeah, it does. And I understand like the, the whole concept of it and, and you've actually created this, this organization, this company that you lead to be able to spread this to people, right? Can you tell us, I mean, what people do if they're interested in this, how, how they go to hold of you, what does that even look like? Sure. When they come right now, it's currently a six month program where for four months of it, mm-hmm. we're meeting every other week via Zoom. We're also training, physical training so that we can go out there and it's not drudgery when we go out on a trek. And then it's all centered toward and focused on an 11 day bike trek someplace incredible in the world, like New Zealand, Iceland, India, France, Germany, wherever. And then uh, the last month and a half are to that point that you said, Joe, it's all about taking what we learned and embedding it back into the world we left and not allowing ourselves to slip into old skin. So if anybody's interested, like there's some criteria that I have that I wanna make sure people meet and I wanna make sure it's a good fit, but they can reach out to me. Uh, There's a, a form on my website they can go to, sign up and go, hey, I'm interested, tell me more. And we engage in a conversation. It goes from there. Oh, I think we lost Joe, but I'm sure think, he'll make his way back. Yeah, yeah but he'll be back. If, if we could, um, so I know we kind of said it, right? But so your website, is it uh, www.waythehero.com? Um, like, Correct. And, and we can put that information um, in our show notes just to make sure that anybody who is interested in getting into this life-changing experience and meeting you um, will, will know how to do so. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah, thanks, Jose. Yeah. So I'm hey, sure. Joe, good day. You're back. All right. Oh, yeah, he made it back. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. zoom in and out. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was really funny. So uh, the, um, one of the things, I'm not sure if you've listened to our show, but one of the things we like to close with um, is what we call the leadership rapid fire. So we'll just, we'll just ask you four questions. Um, there is no right way to answer or no wrong way to answer. Uh, we'll just ask the question and then uh, you answer um, however you're inspired to answer. Okay. So um, first question is, what is your favorite leadership trait? Favorite leadership Trait is agility, the ability to pivot. Awesome. Second question. What book would you recommend to an aspiring leader? Hands down, Endurance by Alfred Lansing. It Mm. tells uh, the tale of Ernest Shackleton, 100 years ago, took a group down to Antarctica with the intent of doing a transantarctic trek. Mm -hmm. Their ship got attacked by the ice and crushed by the ice. Wow. And they were stuck, you know, 100 years ago, no GPS, nobody knows where they are. And somehow, in the most storm-ravaged sea on the planet, they, with three, boat, ro- three lifeboats, they've got to get back to civilization. Mm. He is wow. number 11 on Britain's 100 greatest Britons of all time. Number 11, like he's beaten some pretty phenomenal 
people mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. And it's because of his leadership and his ability to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. And Lane, thank you again for, uh, for hooking me up with that book. It's, it's next on my list and I can't wait to get into it. Yeah. You'll love it. Yeah. I know which one I need to get into next. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, number three, what is your favorite quote? Favorite quote is by, um, oh man, I've got a few. This, this, this separates leaders from common cavemen and women. And that is commitment. It's by a, an author, a Scottish author, W.H. W.H. Murray. Ah, I forget, forget that. Anyway, he said, until one is committed, there is always hesitancy, the chance to draw back, mm. always ineffectiveness. But the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. Mm. A whole stream of events issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance that no one could have dreamed would come their way. Wow, wow that was, that's powerful. Yeah, that was dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Wow. wow. Okay. Um, number four, last one. How do you find your harmony between life, learning, and leadership? Um, in two ways. One, I get out like Joe does running and like you do snowboarding. I get out on my bike just about every single day so that I can reconnect with the heavens, reconnect with nature and reconnect with myself. And the second thing I think is pivotal is your morning and evening routines. Mm. So how you get up in the morning and how you decide to address your calendar and your spiritual connection your personal connection, that's pivotal. And at the end of the day, how you reflect on the day. So I think the journaling is masterful for slowing down the frenzy in our minds and allowing us to that discernment to, it's kind of like clouds parting. You know how you see the shafts of light that penetrate through a dark sky? Mm-hmm. Journaling allows the darkness of our minds that it's going miles a minute mm -hmm. to finally slow down and allow light to penetrate. Yeah. Mm. No, th yeah, that's, that's so true. And journaling, like, you know, um, there's a program, we talk about inspiration a lot during this episode. Um, there's a program called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And uh, a huge part of that is journaling. And you find yourself writing a lot of negative stuff about yourself while you're journaling. And you start wondering if that's okay. But the programmer says, no, that's okay. Get that negative stuff out mm. so that you can start seeing, you know, the positivity and your, your, your inspiration and your creativity can finally shine through. Like you, like you said, Lane. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so amazing having you on. Man, it was so amazing having you on. I thought this was a great conversation. And uh, Jose and I often talk about having these conversations could even be therapeutic. And I think this one definitely was. <laughs> oh, yes. 100% therapeutic. It's, I mean, first of all, it's nice talking to people who, um, although the path may have been different, you have um, similar stories, similar interests. And just, it's kind of, a, I don't know what the right word is, but it, um, it, it allows for you to be like, okay, I'm not, I'm not crazy. You know, there, there are right. other people who believe the same kind of thing. So I, I really appreciate um, you coming on and, and sharing your story. I really appreciate both of you and what you're doing. And I'm excited to embed your podcast into my classes, my leadership courses at ASU. Oh man. That's that, I can, I can already see okay, guys in these <laughs> classes. Here's, here's how we're going to shift, make, um, listen to the podcasts uh, wow. and glean wow. and give almost like a, a book report so yeah. that then we can start 
embedding these lessons into our lives. So thank you. Wow. Thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. I feel like we made it now, Jose. We're, we're in military uh, uh, education centers. A lot of folks are sharing our stuff, but now, now we're in uh, ASC. That's pretty cool. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't even, I don't even have words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Lane, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your amazing perspectives, and also for what you're doing. Um, I mean, it is, it is so important. And I feel like it's almost like the matrix. You're giving them the option of the pill, right? Which pill you want to take? You want to wake up or not, right? And I think that's just amazing. So really appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's been an absolute joy being with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And to all our listeners, as always, be safe, stay healthy. Llamas out. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.